Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there. How you doing? I, uh, I don't know. Whatever that mood was in, the, the, the mood I was in yesterday was, I have not managed to retain it. Although the the sort of inability to rouse myself to uh, a state of terror has uh, has definitely dissipated because I just know it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Not to say that underneath everything, I'm not thinking, shit! <laughs> Welcome to uh, a Thursday, November 4, 2021. God, what a year. For that matter, 2020 was, God, what a year. Who knows what awaits us in 2022, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. I was uh, looking around at, after telling you yesterday, I was pulling away from, you know, social media and news I, the thing I definitely will pull away from and have is is television. I I can't do I can't do TV news. I cannot do it. And uh, I guess on occasion I'll eyeball it for a sec just to see where they're at, but uh, I can't do it. Twitter I still find somewhat. Um, Somewhat useful in that it gives me information and opinions from sources that otherwise I wouldn't, I don't think, uh, necessarily see. Um, And it's easily gotten to, and because it's in short little, little, I forget how many characters it is, bits, it, it, it's uh, easily accessible and you don't have to spend too much time. I, I uh, Looking through Twitter, uh, actually this morning, I came upon a number of things that you know, mirrored because, you know, you fo- again, we're talking about you, we tend to follow uh, people who are in all likelihood going to say things we agree with. We don't follow, generally, people who we don't agree with because it's upsetting. <laughs> it's rage-making, given where our um, emotional temperature is these days. But, I mean, I thought, just to jump off on some of the things that caught my eye, I still have not indulged, thank God, in any of the uh, pundit classes uh, talk of what went wrong yesterday. Uh, was that yesterday? No, Tuesday. Uh and and I, I just don't care to because we've been here before and we know. Um, but I did see a tweet that I thought 
sum things up pretty well, because what happens when Democrats lose races is uh, the finger pointing always is, you see, the progressives have pulled us too far off the middle ground, and so we lose. And I think sometimes that is true. On the other hand, there are races in which, like Virginia, that wasn't a progressive loss. (laughs) Terry McAuliffe is not a progressive. He's a moderate Democrat. He's a Clintonian Democrat. So the lesson, what is the lesson from Virginia? A moderate Democrat running on a a moderate program lost. Does that mean we're supposed to get, move away from the moderates? And yet in Buffalo, as we know, a, a socialist who had beaten the incumbent mayor in a primary race, stunned an incumbent mayor in a primary race, was uh, running to be the mayor of the second largest city in New York State. A black female socialist. She lost. And she not only lost, she lost to the guy she beat in the primary And he ran as a write-in. So she lost to somebody whose name had to be physically written in by everybody who voted for him. So what's the lesson there? I mean, all of these, every race is an individual race. Every race is different. Every race has two, usually, sometimes more, candidates who are different people. I mean, there's not a monolithic Republican and a monolithic Democrat that run. Uh, They say that all politics is local, so there's often issues that have nothing to do with the national issues and who's the president. And I'm just saying the sort of easy... Uh, oh, we lost Virginia, so that means, I don't know. I, I, and I, I said, yes, I don't know, but so don't a lot of other people because you can point at Virginia and then you can point at another race. You can see where a progressive candidate went down and then you can see where a moderate candidate went down. Progressive candidate won the mayoralty in, uh, in Boston, but the reality is, is that, of course, our urban areas are are the progressive areas, which is why you see I just this astonishing uh, reality of uh, America's cities being run by black men and women and people of color. And in Boston, it's an Asian woman. The leadership of the urban America is increasingly becoming 
non-white. That seems pretty obvious. I mean, I, I don't know the numbers, but just anecdotally, or just looking at what I'm seeing, that seems to be the case. Now, I also want to point out, and you know my animus toward media right now, and and here are some facts. I just found this, this stuff out this morning. Um, if McAuliffe had won, I think he would have been the first uh, former governor of that state from either party to have been successful in a long, long time recapturing the governor's seat. They are not allowed to uh, I guess run for two two terms in a row, which seems a little absurd, overdone to me. So the reality, I I think is, and I'm sorry I don't have the exact number. If he had won, it would have been uh, historic. The same is true in the New Jersey race where the Democrat eked it out. He's the first governor, I guess, of either party. I think I'm getting this right. You might want to fact check me. First governor of either party in the state of New Jersey to successfully retain his seat. New Jersey voters apparently elect people governor and then throw them out after one term. That is the history of New Jersey. The fact that this guy actually beat that history is, why is that then? I mean, we, all, the, all the headlines are, you know, squeaked by, barely made it. He made it. That doesn't happen in New Jersey. And if McAuliffe had won, that is not the norm in Virginia. Where is that context? You won't get it from our media. And then someone did a little checking, because as we've talked uh, so much recently about the fact that our media need these narratives, need to create drama, easy little storylines that can touch our emotional buttons, cause fear and, and anxiety and elation. Let's drop back a little bit in our history. Barack Obama is president. The year is 2009. He's serving his first year, just like Biden, same point in Obama's presidency. And guess what? Virginia and New Jersey hold gubernatorial races 
November. Mm-hmm. Just like this week. The Democrats lost both. Both. Obama was finishing his first year in office and his party lost the New Jersey governorship and the Virginia governorship. Guess what? The New York Times published one analysis piece of why the Virginia, uh, why the New Jersey race was lost. Do you know how many pieces they published about this New Jersey race or the Virginia loss? Nine, nine. The Washington Post, fifteen. And it shows that media are getting worse in doing this kind of thing, creating mountains out of molehills, creating as much tension as, as they can, not providing context, providing emotion, fear, anxiety. I believe I have a call. Caller, go ahead. Hello? Yes, hello. Oh, all right, Len. Um, that race they don't talk about, and I think it had a big factor, but I, they probably don't think this because I know Carville is not saying nothing about it. Of course, he loves this. Is I think, I'm not a big fan of Perry McCall. Never was. And it, Either. It's, I would have voted for him, yeah. But yeah. I think it's the Clinton factor. I really do. They think you should, they pick bad candidates, and he was the Clinton factor. They, they, that's why he lost. I really believe that. I I kind of like turn my, you know, yuck. Why is he running? I just don't like the guy. He just. And then one time he said about Donald Trump when they're on the stage with Clinton, and he would have known what he had done, like punch him in the mouth. Like, yeah, that's real mature for a you know, guy that's running for office and stuff. Like, I, I just don't like his attitude. He's kind of cocky, like, too. I, I just don't care for him. And I think that's why he lost. I really do. Well, listen, you know, the reality is, is that chemistry and how voters do respond for whatever reasons to a candidate uh, – they that that does count. You say you never liked him. I have to admit, I've never liked Terry McAuliffe either. I don't know. I don't like that. Frankly, I got to tell you, I just don't like the look of him. I, is, is there something about his physical self that I don't find appealing? Youngkin right. is a lot more physically appealing. You think that doesn't matter? Because yeah. unfortunately, it does. And you're right, McAuliffe was a Clintonian through and through, and there was a braggadocio arrogance to him. I don't like him. Never, ever did. I remember groaning when I heard he was first going to run for Virginia governor back when he first ran. I just don't like the guy. Unfortunately, the way our uh, things are now, we do make decisions often based on these, you know, that's no reason to vote for or against somebody that you like their face <laughs> or you don't like their face right. or, you know, but we all, we all 
can fall victim to it. He was in many respects not an attractive, and I'm not just talking about his looks, not an attractive candidate. That's true. And he was the same old, same old. That's true. So I don't disagree. That was not a good candidate. No. Not a good candidate. But who the hell knows? Re uh, saying my, I still have optimism, but I kind of think that 2020, what is it? The the next November. 2022. I think probably. The Republicans uh-huh. will take the house. They will. Ah, see, you'll be out. Yeah, right. I do think that now because yeah, so much, only okay. because of redistricting and the cheating. And All but right, I do okay. think we're going to pick up the Senate more. And it's, what that's going to do is nothing really. But I really do think that now. I mean, well, I we'll could see. change my mind when it gets closer, but it just looks like they've got it so screwed up that map. Yeah, that they're going to get yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I see. Hey, have you noticed one other thing is that when uh, the Democrats lost in uh, Virginia, they accepted the loss. Right. (laughs) I'm just saying. That's right. You you know, does anyone remark on that? When Democrats lose, they say, whoa, okay, well, sorry. And they move on. If right. the race had gone the other way, what? where do you think media would be today? We would be doing endless stories on how Republicans were alleging uh, that there was voter fraud and the, the thing was rigged. And, 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 and media would cover that as if it were legitimate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I know, I'm just like you on the news. I don't watch local or national. If I watch no. five minutes of it, that would be saying a lot. I just can't take them. They exaggerate. They it just drives me nuts, and I I can't do it anymore. I just okay. That makes yeah, okay. a few of us. We'll see you. Then. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Thank bye-bye. you. Bye. Thank you. Here's the other thing I want to say about uh, uh, Virginia and media, because guys, that is a big, huge part of the problem. The winner in the Virginia race built his campaign. Really? Around fear because, well, he's a Republican. They never offer anything. Have you ever, have you noticed that? They are not ever offering any policy. Here's what we will do to make your lives better. They never have an idea. All they come bearing is fear. And the fear, the boogeyman they, they've got now, they have, you know, their whole, their whole stable uh, always available to them. Black people, brown people, gay people, trans people, Muslims, immigrants. But we, we, we know who they're, they think the monsters are that scare their base. 
but they've come on to a new one. And that's what young can one with. And just like a lot of monsters, the monsters that kids are afraid are hiding under their bed. The monster that won Youngkin, the race, is not real. Is a figment of the imagination. It's that somehow the children of Virginia, the little white children, are being brainwashed in their schools to hate themselves. Critical race theory, which of course is not being taught in Virginia schools. And he won because he led people to fear that their children were being absconded with their children's beautiful little brains and sense of self. That's what won the race. Race. Always race. The biggest boogeyman in their, in their quiver. Race. So what would a responsible media do covering a race in which one of the candidates offering nothing but fear is telling people that their children are being brainwashed by critical race theory when it is not true? What would responsible journalism do? It would call out that lie. It would call it out. And instead, I know that the press was swooning all over itself about what a brilliant fine line strategy that Youngkin had managing to keep Trump at arm's length and yet not offending Trump's base. What a brilliant shuttle race baiting strategy. That's what our media does. It applauds. It applauds the success of the lie and the fear mongering as brilliant strategy. Makes me mad. It just makes me despair. It does. It's hard not to. Over and over and over again, this media let us down. And they are becoming a big part of the problem. The way they frame things, the things they choose to ignore, the things they choose to elevate, 
and driven by only one thing, to sell more soap. By the way, I did see a tweet that I thought was, you know, it, of course, is right on the money. Succinct, one sentence, says it all, and here it is. Ironically, critical race theory is exactly the framework you need to explain why critical race theory is the exact boogeyman for Republicans to employ to win elections. That's it. Because critical race theory is about understanding the systemic nature of racism in our country, in its politics, in, its, in every aspect, in every institution, how it's built into the bone after hundreds and hundreds of years. That's somewhat of what critical race theory is about. And so, of course, it's understanding that systemic nature of racism in this country that is necessary to understand why Glenn Youngkin can win in a state that everybody thought was, yeah, hey, baby, they're trending blue. Virginia, as good as blue. No, you got to understand the systemic nature of racism and why the republics who are masters of manipulating the hate and fear of racism to their advantage. Offering nothing but gaining power. Man, is it wondrous for them. And here's, here's an, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place, but I, 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 I wanted to sort of capture some of what I was seeing today and I was reacting to. Um, One of the good news stories, of course, is that children are getting vaccinated. And the on, I mean, just the incredible relief that so many parents are feeling. The, the, you know, letting out their breath after years of fear for their children. Do you think we're going to see from our media as many stories of happy parents and happy kids being able to be vaccinated as we are still being pummeled by those endless stories about adults refusing to be vaccinated, hmm? who are a minority.
Remember, the media told us 10,000 10, New York City cops are going to, they're, they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone last Monday, I believe, because they had a mandate to get the vaccine and they weren't going to do it. And New Yorkers would not be safe and the end is near and God help us all. And what was the final number of how many New York cops in that huge, huge, huge department didn't refuse to get the vaccine? I believe it was 34. But don't be waiting for the millions upon millions of seeking out happy families about their kids and how they feel now that the vaccine is available to them. You're not going to be seeing a lot because that doesn't sell. It's good news. It doesn't create fear. Oh, dear God, guys. Yeah, Barbara sent me something from Eric Bollert, who is a um, somebody I do follow on Twitter and who uh, his his raison d'etre is to uh, is to hold media's feet to the fire about about exactly what I've been been talking about. And he's right on the money media find democrats dull and dull doesn't sell soap here barbara sent me a quote from bollert an enormous hurdle that's been erected since 2009, that would be since Obama's election, is that the Republican Party and the larger conservative movement now successfully traffic in uncontrollable lies, misinformation, deranged conspiracies as part of their daily diet. They do it through a billion-dollar media machine that doubles as the propaganda arm of the GOP and the larger media has shown little interest in confronting this trend. It's more than a trend. It is our reality and they will not call it out. So, I got some good news. I found good news besides the kids getting vaccinated, which is just so huge. Um, this has to do with a, a mayoral race uh, that, frankly, I didn't know about till today, but I, I love the story. So, I'm, I'm going to share it with you because the, the uh, small town. Uh, a little over 30,000 people uh, in in New Jersey. Uh, can't even find the name of it. What's the name of this little town? 30,000. Um, 
Well, I don't know. Some little town in New Jersey. Kenton Falls. Kenton Falls. They elected a mayor uh, Tuesday. Well, actually, to be to be correct, they reelected a mayor. Vito Perillo. It's a four-year term. Here's the thing. Vito, Mayor Perillo, is 97 years old. <laughs> 97 years old, and he's been elected to a four-year term by the good people of Tinton Falls. And they know him because he's led them for the last four years, and they like the job he's done. Sounds like a pretty amazing guy. I don't know if I agree with his politics or what, but gee, Willikers. I mean, it was a clear win. He ran against three others. They split the boat all up. And uh, he oversees a budget of $24 million. I mean, this is not, it's not like, you know, sometimes, you, oh, yeah, they elected uh, they elected a 97-year-old guy to run a town of, uh, you know, 12 people. No, this is a sizable little town, $24 million budget. And dang. He's he shows up every day, suit and tie, drives himself to work. He's really doing the job. And the people like him. Works out at the Y. Has a standing lunch date with one of his great grandchildren, uh, World War II vet. You know, there are not a lot of World War II vets even alive anymore, and here's one who's still serving the country. <laughs> Vito, Vito Perillo, God bless you, buddy. Well, this uh, news broke uh, right before the show started, and I'm thrilled to see it. And I must admit, I I didn't realize this was in the offing, but uh, the the White House, Biden, uh, is is now making very clear that uh, any company in this country with more than 100 employees, that'd be a whole lot of them, too. Any company with more than 100 employees is now mandated to themselves mandate coronavirus vaccination for their employees or to subject those holdouts to regular testing by January 4. So I, with all of these mandates now kicking in, uh, governmental level, 
uh, federal, local, state. Now with this rule from uh, Washington applying to uh, private companies of a certain size, we're going to get ourselves very nicely vaccinated, I would think, by, uh, I don't know, February. Yeah. So the winter is probably going to be a lot better than it was uh, last year. And all of this, of course, is being, uh, you know, is enraging the, uh, the already enraged. Uh, but that's it. Pennsylvania, by the way, is now number five in um, successfully getting at least one dose into uh, its adult population. But I also want to note in regard to the virus that Allegheny County, guys, I mean, I know a lot of you are out there and I, I, I see people are in restaurants, they're living, you're, you're, you're gone back to your lives. But there are, I mean, New cases in Allegheny County are way up. There's in like 400 a day. And it seems like it's, or is it a week? Please tell me it's a week. All of a sudden, I'm not sure. It'd be a week, right? But it's high. That's not good. So that, I just want you to know it's out there. That thing is still out there. I talked to a guy yesterday whose father um, who's very at risk. He has only one kidney. He had um, been vaccinated and had just gotten a booster, ended up in the hospital with COVID. It's out there. And for the more vulnerable, it is very much still a threat. Just saying. It'd be a shame to let our guard down now when there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. I have a caller. Go ahead, please. Hey there. We used to have hey. a, an older mayor that um, used to cart in a good place um, in Bellevue. Sophie? And no, oh, you're, no, you're not talking about Pittsburgh. No, I'm talking about in Bellevue, just outside. And um, he, and he's still very active doing volunteer work. Um, but the reason he got voted out was because he made it known that he voted for Trump in 2016. <laughs> and well, guess what? I like the guy. I didn't vote for him. Yeah, because uh, I was still I was still appalled. You know, I I couldn't. You know, I was still like I couldn't believe it. And um, but they're out there. I think sometimes. Well, we don't have the budget like the town you're talking about, though. But um, the well, that, that, that's probably a deal breaker for uh, a lot of people. Oh yeah. Now, now on the flip yeah. side, our new mayor, who happens to be the first African American mayor we've ever had, um, he's the um, he's part of a group called. No bow progressives, Northboro progressives, and um, and one of the reasons I got off of Facebook was they're brutal, they're vicious. They 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 like if they don't agree with somebody, they come out with the daggers, man. And um, but he got in, um, so we're gonna see where that goes. 
Um, what think, you're I talking think, about, what just so people know, what community are you talking about here? Bellevue. I mean, uh, okay, Bellevue. Yeah, we, we just have uh, for those of you who don't know, just directly north of uh, the city of Pittsburgh, right? Right. Right. Yeah, we're right outside where uh, Brighton Heights is. But anyway, I mean, and you know, and and I'm. I'm a liberal Democrat, but I think we need we need to be kinder and gentler, and they're going the exact opposite direction um, that I feel we need to go. But um, the reason I called before you start talking about the older, the 97 year old mayor was, um, you know, we're talking about the cops quitting, you know, mm-hmm. um, because they're being mandated. In retrospect, I think that's good because guess yeah. who they are? Guess who they are? They are not the good cops. I'm sorry. They're the ones who were doing all this, you know. It's a it's a mentality. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, you know, they don't let anybody tell them what to do. They, well, it's an attitude. It's an attitude. It's a yeah. It's it's like uh, we're here to uh, you know make sure you guys follow the law and the rules, and uh, and we don't have to. Yeah, no, uh, I always... yeah, no. We and you know what I what I want to say about the cops, uh, Pittsburgh police in particular. Is that, of course, as soon as uh, the mayor put out a mandate uh, that they had to be vaccinated, of course, the union, the police union went berserk. Um, And three Pittsburgh police officers have died of COVID in less than six weeks, less six weeks. The last six weeks, three cops have died of COVID. Can you imagine? If in the last six weeks, three cops had died for another reason, like been shot, right? Okay. So this is, and what I, what makes me uh, just shake my head is I should trust a cop like that to see, to look after my safety when they're obviously yeah when they're obviously incapable of seeing to their own so i i it's just amazing to me and my heart goes out to the families of those cops they were not old i saw their ages they're all in their 40s and it's taken those are family men leaving children but I think, you know, the pressure, the, the peer pressure on them to uh, stay, I, I, it's more own the libs, own Peduto, own, own these Democrats who are trying to take our freedom, tell us what to do. And they're dying for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Insane. And maybe this is part it's of our Darwinian, Darwinism. You know, um, you know, my thing is like, well, I think it's pretty you know, clear that more cops are dying of COVID than anything else uh, across the board in the United States. Yes, that has been true. That's and, and and if I'm if I'm in charge, you know, if I if I have power, I would say, okay, you do not have to get vaccinated, but also you are you need you are not allowed to wear your bulletproof vest, and you're not allowed to wear carry a firearm. Because, I mean, because, hey, it's protection. You know, you don't want protection. Well, let's take away all your protection, you Nimrod. I'm sorry. That's mean, you know, but, uh, but, Um, you know. Okay. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Bye. All righty. Bye. Bye.
Uh, Bree writes from Malaysia. We're about at 96% adult population fully vaccinated. Wow. Well, man, you must be feeling like tree as a bird. If I were, I mean, 96%, that's, that's got to be herd immunity. We're about to hit 96% here. Hey, anybody want to go to Malaysia? We're now allowed to go out. I would think so. But listen to this. With 90, almost 6%, Malaysians still have to follow all the rules. Wear a mask, keep distance, wash hands, track and trace. Limited numbers of people for certain events. Wow. At 96%. Ah, you couldn't do that in the United States. No way. We will never be as safe as you, Bree. You just stay there and be safe. You don't want to come home to the United States. Serious. Another little good news nugget from the election for those needing it, because there wasn't a lot for folks like us. But this comes from my home state, which doesn't give much good news when it comes to uh, more progressive politics. But it has to do with the fact that, you know, quite clearly the um, uh, the Republicans have uh, seized on this uh, school thing and critical race theory. This is the baby. This is the horse they're riding in the 2022 and it looks like a good one. It really does. And I'm having trouble finding the story. Uh, but as you know, a lot of school boards are being targeted now. And there was a, uh, affluent, relatively affluent, uh, obviously mostly white suburb, of Milwaukee that had a really intense effort with funded by lots of money, including outside money to knock off their school board, which was deemed, uh, untrumpian. And they hung on, they won. I mean, they won that, and and that was in the kind of suburban milieu, which apparently worked successfully um, in Virginia, and for some reason didn't work in this one little Wisconsin bailiwick. So again, I go back to what I started with: every race is different every situation because there are different personalities different people different and to make sweeping judgments why did minneapolis voters reject uh replacing their police department after all of that why did seattle uh which you think of as a progressive city uh, elect 
somebody as mayor who's anything but. Um, on and on and on. There's all kinds of different things at play, depending. And I have to tell you, here in Pennsylvania, the fact that Republicans swept those judicial races statewide uh, is is terrifying to me. So this, you know, if politics is something, uh, it's it's what we got. And the kind of politics we have now is, I mean, it's just loathsome in so many ways and not doing the job, but it's what we got. And heading into 2022 here in Pennsylvania is, again, something not to be taken lightly. Media keeps saying that it's Republican voters who are (laughs) energized. And I believe that's true. They are. They're energized by the fear. Always are. Energized by the fear. And owning the libs. And the Democrats? The Democratic voters. They are not as energized. There's no doubt about it. You can feel it. Not. And one of the problems is, is Democrats, we don't do emotion so much. We do. Here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to get this Medicare thing. We're going to lower your prices for that. We're going to tax the rich. We're going to blah, blah. We have these ideas. But. You know, ideas, they don't give you the, the, the feeling of an emotional kind of effort to get a vote. So Republicans will go with emotion. Democrats continue to go with ideas. And generally speaking, I hate to tell you, emotion wins. I also think that if Donald Trump were running, then obviously Democrats would get more emotional. But if that's what's necessary, we're in trouble. Because if the Republicans with Youngkin, if there is something to be learned from him, that you can get it all if you get a nice-looking, pleasant, seemingly – no, he doesn't look like he would ever assault a woman. He doesn't seem to be a racist. He doesn't say terrible things. Get a cleaned up guy who will still deliver. Somehow manage to push Trump off center stage, but keep him there. The useful idiot to rally folks. Then they can have it all.
Ed says, I have been keeping track, and Allegheny County is reporting between four and 500 COVID cases per day. That it is per day. Jesus. That's unbelievable, because I remember back, back in the day when we used to, I used to talk about the numbers all the time. That was maybe a year ago or so. We were often for a long time there in the spring, we were at a point where we were in single digits. Nine new cases today. And then it starts getting up into double digits and it was, uh-oh, uh-oh. And now, right now, when everybody's saying, hi, everything's fine, four to 500 new cases per day in Allegheny County? Are you kidding me? I just want to say, for all you folks going about life as, as I, I think you're nuts. Man, that virus is out there, and that is a high rate. Saying. Okay. Well, guys, you know, I'm taking next week off, so. Um, let's end on something that is subject near and dear to my heart that you're sick and tired of me talking about, but, oh, man. It is such a thing I hate. And it's leaf blowers, as you know. Because I'm looking out my window and there's still tons of leaves up there in the trees and they're all going to be coming down. And I will not know a moment's peace just as I haven't all through the, the summer. Uh, they are, I think, one of the most overlooked environmental hazards to us all that exists. And I cannot believe that government is not regulating them. I don't like the noise. But it ain't the, the noise is bad enough, obviously. But they pollute more than your car. Do you know that? Listen to this. A gasoline-powered leaf blower exists in a category of environmental hell all its own. Spewing pollutants, carbon monoxide, smog-forming nitrous oxides, carcinogenic hydrocarbons into the atmosphere at a breathtaking rate. Try to remember that next time you're at the helm of your leaf blower. Try to know 
you think you're cleaning up your yard? No, you're polluting our world. Most of the leaf blowers out there, especially if you got one that you bought a few years ago, is a two-stroke gasoline-powered model. And it spews out more pollution than a 6,200-pound Ford F-150 SVT Raptor pickup truck. I kid you not. The amount of pollution spewed by the leaf blower, one, one measly leaf blower. The two-stroke leaf blower is about the same as that big-ass pickup truck driving from Texas to Alaska. That truck making an over 6,000-mile trip is going to pollute less than your leaf blower being used for a half hour. For a half hour. This is the technology that should not be allowed to exist. Nobody should be allowed to use these. See, what they do is these two strike engines combine oil and gas in a single chamber, which gives the machine more power while remaining remaining light enough for even a little lady to be a major polluter. It's also why they're so loud. And as much as a full third of the fuel ends up being spewed into the air as unburned aerosol. And not only that, they kick up dust, as you know. You know what's in that dust? Pollen, mold, animal feces, heavy metals, chemicals from herbicides, pesticides, all of this thrown into the air you breathe, increasing risk of lung cancer, asthma, cardiovascular disease, cardiovascular disease premature birth, and, you know, a lot of other things that will rob you of your life. Now, there are cities throughout the country that are starting to pass regulations to ban these despicable things. I'm begging you not to wait for that ban, but to stop. Stop it. I'm going to say one word to you, a four-letter word, rake, rake. You'll get some exercise, too. And I'm not even getting into what these damn things do when they 
when you get rid of that, those leaves that are meant to be there, that are essential to the biosphere, to insects and to their lives. And that insect life, which is then in turn essential to birds and other wildlife. And never mind, because those leaves are so much more beautiful and natural than your unnaturally green carpet lawn that you beat into submission with all that stench spewing noisy machinery. I'm sorry. I, this is one of those seemingly little things that every single one of us can help rid ourselves of. And if you got one of these babies, give us all a gift. Just effing stop it. <sighs> I told you. All right. You won't hear that one for a while again. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> sorry, screaming at you. But not if you own one of those fucking things. I am not. Not at all. So, guys, thank you. Um, uh, again, I'll be back a week from Monday uh, from my home turf of uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay? Be careful out there. Please. We need you. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.